Here today, gone. Today? The pace of change can be confusing. Then again, it can be inspiring. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you build the self-confidence and decision-making skills it takes to thrive on change. Fight change with change. Go. Start by going to hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. What are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, yeah, I just... All right, I'm going to count in. All right, cool. All right. Three... Welcome to your Managing Madrid podcast, and uh, this is your host Gabe Lesdra. Uh It's bad, folks. I don't. I don't know what to say. Like it's, um, you know, I'm. I, anyways, I'm here. This is uh, joined by Om Arvin. Om um, Kian has. Uh, it's his birthday, uh, and um, I think it's totally lucky of him to. And no, it's not lucky. It's like totally fair to not. <laughs> I uh, have to talk about. I mean, he already wrote a whole article about this game. Real Madrid won, Barcelona five. This is the, uh, I think, first one of these like real moments that we've really had to cover on this show in this like in this kind of expansive way. Like uh, I was telling you before we started recording, like I wouldn't have previous. I I would have waited a day or so to uh, <laughs> record it. Uh, uh, a show in previous eras like I would have done it we would have talked about it but I would have like waited but this is very raw everybody so um, yeah this sucks yeah I, it's and there's no other way to put it that this game was a disaster right like um, we can go through all the tactical details there I, there's a fair bit of nuance to discuss um, but this is a disaster Lopetegui is out there is I mean, we we knew that that was pretty much the case before this classical, and he'd need a miracle, right? Like not just a win, but a really, really convincing one. Um, and maybe if we completed that miracle comeback in the second half, it might have it might have happened. But Lopetegui is out now. Um, I'm seeing reports saying that it's going to be announced tomorrow, but it doesn't matter tomorrow, today, the day after he's gone. Um, Let's give me Conte, so everybody. That, That's yeah. I, I think I think Conte is coming. I, I don't really see any other option that like that has. I don't been think there's any around. other high end coach on the market. Um, they could try to roll the dice. I uh, think Jardine of of Monaco is is the only other high end option. Yeah. Um, but I haven't heard any reports saying like Lopetegui. Uh, sorry, not Lopetegui. Florentino Perez has like contacted him or whatever. So then that leaves like Solari and Conte and like Conte oh, is like miles away better choice. So I still, I, I know I wrote, I've written about this and I don't think that Conte is by definition the solution, but I like him a lot more than Solari. I also have, I think that I've been on record saying I like Conte a lot. I still do. I like anyone. And this goes back to Mourinho. I actually kind of stand for anyone who is going to get a little bit emotional on the sidelines. I kind of like that in a coach. So if Conte will come in and shake things up and uh, actually roll out a three, three line back 
you know, back line. I don't know. I'm, I mean, this, this is not getting fixed just by changing your tactics. Um, and, but we will go, we'll go into the tactics. Uh, but I think that, I think instead of, I hope that people aren't coming here for us to tell you it's all going to be fine, that everything's going to like, I mean, it is. Um, but I got, I got to say on, on top of this stuff, like the world is kind of on fire right now, everybody. And so like, in previous editions of shows like this, we've said stuff like, well, look, it's it's okay, like, everything's going to be fine. But, like, it's not obvious <laughs> to me that that's going to be true. So, I mean, just, I mean, work on making everything an everyday count. <laughs> Care about yourselves and your family uh, and, and the people that you love. I, I can't, I don't have much more to say in that respect, but... It's been a tough time in the United States, uh, and uh, I don't want to go into it too much more. Um, so let's, uh, I mean, <laughs> normally sports supposed to be an escape from stuff, but I think if you're a Real Madrid fan, it's just more of the same bullshit that's been going on. Um, and so, like, yeah, just know that we're suffering with you, too, <laughs> and thinking about all this stuff with you, too. Um, this is not going to be a super light show because Real Madrid lost five to one so um um let's let's do this let's talk about the tactics a little bit um you had a video today where you talked about um sort of the 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 ways that madrid lost the game in the first half and then tried to claw back into it and then lost it again what do you think is the the main thrust i mean if there is one main thing to take away from the tactics because then we can jump into the uh more detailed stuff Right, so I think the main thing that really lost us the game was Lopetegui's decision to, to, to go more passive away from his usual philosophy and play in this 4-1-4-1 slash 4-3-3 medium block um, in, without, without any kind of pressing, without really having this great structure. Because personally, I don't think that being more passive, being more reactionary against Barcelona is automatically a bad thing, right? We've had some great classical results over the years, um, leading all the way back to the Mourinho era, playing this way. The, the thing is, right. is, it has to be executed properly. And Lopetegui, it, my concern when, when I saw immediately that's what he was doing was that I don't know if Lopetegui can execute this properly because he simply doesn't have that much experience playing this way because he's always used to having the ball. And so within that context, I kind of figured it would have made more sense for Lopetegui to try to impose Real Madrid's will on the game and try to dominate possession themselves, press high up the pitch, the usual kind of stuff Lopetegui teams do. And that's what we did in the second half. And that's the reason we looked a lot better. But it was a complete opposite in the first. And there were also clear, clear issues with our motivation and energy and our work rate. And it was... The first half was just a disaster. I mean, Lopetegui Ball, what he brought to the team when when he when the team looked good this season was all about this press, right? And that's what when this team was executing, that's what it was: is this press and this uh, possession ball. I mean press and possess, sort of like modern Spanish football, and he he tried to bring that and. It's I it, there's sometimes when I, I I actually appreciate coaches that have tactical versatility. We've talked about this before. I think Zidane had, you know, 
uh, was a little rigid, but did have some of that in him. Um, Lopetegui didn't seem to, and he, but I like this style, and I think it works a lot of the time. And but the problem is that he decided to kind of drop it for this match, and it doesn't, or at least for that first half, or that, or Omen. Oh, I'm not sure what, <laughs> like what. If 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 it's his tactics or if, if the players just didn't feel like doing it, but like deciding to set people in a medium block and then just, I mean, having these players jogging and and just not not pressing and and just seem it just it just felt like it was an I mean we had these uh, a couple of people I think had really interesting takes on this, but it was fundamentally I mean. It was sort of an embarrassment to watch the guys like this team out there uh, looking so incredibly dispassionate about what was going on. Yeah, I, I don't say this very often. In fact, I don't think I've ever really said this before because it's so very, very hard to tell. But I, I just didn't see the fight today. Um, and I, I usually hate it when people say that because, like, how, how do you know, right? But it was just so blatantly obvious in that first half. Um, the players ha- had been talking a lot about how they backed the coach, and I did not see it at all in the first half. Talk was cheap, and they didn't show it with their actions. Um, now, whether that kind of was influenced by Lopetegui's tactics because they sensed that they were getting overwhelmed, I don't know, because there were there were some things that Lopetegui could have done better. So if you want to defend in medium block, um, there are several ways you can go, go about it. Lopetegui wanted to protect the center as far as I could tell. So Bale and Isco, who were the wide players, would tuck inside to the center of the pitch, I'm guessing to prevent passes through the center. And so like on the face of it, that's not so bad. But um, Coutinho and Rafinha, who were in the half spaces, and Suarez was occupying the center backs. And that left Barcelona's fullbacks free to receive the ball. And that's how they kept getting into our half over and over again. And because... Bale and Isco were just sitting there passively next to the central midfielders. We were never never able to stop it. If you go back and look at the first goal, Rakitic, who isn't pressured at all, plays this sweeping through ball into Jordi Alba, who's in acres of space. No one is near him, and he crosses and Coutinho scores. And yeah. I think if he wants... I, I think the way, personally, I would have done it is because this is how Zidane did his first Classico, is he had both Ronaldo and Bale tracking the fullbacks all the way back. Um, that is one of the easier ways of right trying to play a medium block. Um, if you wanted to protect the center like Lopetegui did, it's possible, right? But you have to press. So Bale, Isco could have pressed the, the center backs, Piquet and Longley. Benzema could have pressed Busquets, and that would have protected the passing lanes to the fullbacks. But we had this weird in-between, and it was... It was just horrible. And then, like you mentioned, the players were lethargic. They didn't look like they were trying, and it was just so, so easy for Barcelona. I don't think we created a single noteworthy chance in that that half. It was just all long shots. I I have to bring this up. Um, It does seem like um, Lopetegui's midfield and his entire style suits a different lineup from what the Zidane... Era we he and, and, and you know with the Zidane era treble trip three beat lineup was like his and and uh, his structure is actually does sort of kind of call for a Ceballos type um, in in the center and 
he rolled out the Zidane, you know, outside of the defense, the ones that they got basically, right? Minus Ronaldo. But like that Isco, Bale, Benzema, Kroos, Modric, Casemiro, like this, this core of the team was the Zidane core. It seems to me like that itself was uh, a maybe a departure from what his style really called for. Um, and in particular, I think that um, Ceballos was a like is is the type of player that who is extremely in form and could have started this match, and that's part of what I mean. Part of there's so many issues, but this is one of the issues is that he compromised. I think his uh, what he was trying to do with the team in order to I uh, I don't even know what the point was. <laughs> I don't get I, it. I think I. I think I think as far as I understand it, right? You're kind of arguing that Lopetegui is is kind of sacrificing a bit of his philosophy, I guess, to like satisfy hierarchies, I guess, yes, or just I'm, kind I'm, of. I'm play trying the to say satisfy guard. hierarchies, but I, I I'm also trying not to say satisfy like I like make it so that it seems <laughs> like the board or Florentino or someone is setting lineups because I actually don't think that's what's going on here. I think that he. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 that's not what I meant. Because yeah. that's that is what the criticism used to be of Real Madrid managers, where they would say, "Oh, well, I couldn't play my team because the the Florentino was playing a hands on role and and told me that's that I had to play Beckham or Michael Owen or whatever." That's not what's happening here. I just, I, I, I mean, maybe it's dressing room hierarchies. That's what your colleague um, Jose Perez said um, in this yeah. really interesting Twitter thread that he he wrote during the or after the game um, from. Uh, uh, between the posts, very interesting, uh, right? That's my getting that. I'm just sure. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a really interesting argument. I I think that's probably basically right. I just I also feel like there is something else at play here, and it might just be that this is his first. I mean, I, I guess the Atletico, but this is his first really big, really season defining moment. He want. I think it's it's fair to want to go to the as a general rule, the players that did it for the previous editions of this team. I get it. I just also think he should have seen that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, see, that's why I I think it was an interesting point. Um, I quote tweeted it saying it was an interesting point, but I don't know how I feel about that yet. I really need to think about it because on the one hand, I see it, right? Like, if you're thinking about what a Lopetegui midfield would look like, it's probably... Kroos at the defensive midfield position, definitely someone like Ceballos in midfield, and probably not Nacho as fullback, right? Like, Carvajal is out, but Odrio Zola is much, much more like a Lopetegui fullback who gets forward a lot, um, who, who has more pace, who provides width right. better so that he can get on the end of diagonals. And so I, I guess I can understand, right, playing Casemiro, especially against Barcelona, and if because he Lopetegui's initial intention wasn't to possess the ball, I get that, but I don't understand playing Nacho in in instead of Odriozola. But again, like like you said, it how, how are you supposed to know, right? Because right. turning to the old guard who have done it before, that's not that's not the most unimaginable thing in the world. And Nacho has been pretty reliable in big games, so sure. I don't know how I feel about that point, but it's definitely something worth considering. Yeah, and I mean, look. We're going to continue to talk about the game, but I mean, moving forward, uh, 
we're going to have to have more conversations about whether the hierarchy stuff was at play here because I I also get it when you have a team that is so consistent. I mean, someone tweeted today, uh, or I think it was even someone said, one of the players, I, I don't know. I don't know who the hell said this. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was one of the either Barca players or uh, high-end, like, high-profile Twitter accounts that were like, yeah, winning a Clásico is like winning the Champions League. And it's like, well, you know, winning the Champions League is winning the Champions League. And, like, they, Real Madrid has done that the last three goddamn years, right? Like, that's, it's so quick <laughs> to forget that. But this is such an incredibly excellent team that has achieved so much over this period. Uh, yeah, there is actually this feeling that I think we're going to have to deal with the idea that these players feel like they're untouchable, even with hopefully a little bit of humbling that came from, from some of this. And, you know, we, we saw Sergio Ramos give a very searching post-match interview where he talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I, as much as I love Sergio Ramos, I think he, uh, (laughs) I don't really know how to, like how to even get in, like how to talk about this stuff because his his post match interview was so not what I would want out of the captain of the team. <laughs> I would want uh, the captain of the team to be more, I think, introspective. But um, he talked a lot about how, like, uh, I, anyways, I I'm interested to hear your position on 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 some of what he was saying. I, I'll pull up some of the quotes here. I, I I um I meant to talk about this, but I didn't get the quotes up exactly. But he they he definitely sent sent some messages both to like Lopetegui, but also to I mean let's say I mean the the why like the generally agreed upon belief is that Conte will come in tomorrow, <laughs> and it's it felt like he was already saying like. We'll make sure you respect our hierarchies, which is already a bad foot to be on, you know. Yeah, I mean, what he said was the one. The one quote that that annoyed me was he said, I, "I've worked with a lot of managers, but sometimes it's more important for the manager to be to to manage the dressing room rather than be a tactical coach or whatever." And that's a point, right, that we make a lot, that pundits make a lot, but we make that point because that's something we see. That's not how we think it should be, right? The fact that a player is saying this means is he is explicitly saying, I or we are not going to do certain things on the field because we need to be coddled in a certain way. And I just don't think a player has a right to say that a manager you know, it's more important if a manager manages the dressing room well if you are a player saying that, right? Like if you're a pundit, that's your view because you view that the player's egos or whatever get, gets in the way. But if you're a player saying that, then you're just basically saying like, yeah, I have an ego or the team has egos and, and we need to manage that. And that's why we're not going to do certain things on the field, which is what tactics refers to, right? Like executing certain schemes and players playing in certain ways, perhaps sacrificing in certain ways. And, you know, maybe... Maybe yeah, Ramos would yeah. come out and say it was taken out of context or I didn't really mean it that way. I certainly hope he does, but that that line was pretty explicit and I don't I don't know if it can really be taken in another way. Yeah, and, and it's it's this I mean 
Ramos, it's not like no one is questioning whether this is his like he like lives and breathes this team. And I think he has the appropriate right amount of and and correct amount of um, sense of timeline and scope and history. I mean, he's been around, you know, for a huge chunk of his career. So I think it's fair. And, and for him and part of this, I'm trying to, in my mind, work this around. So you guys are sort of hearing that, but I think it's fair to kind of, even after a result like this, Ramos was in was in part was a part of the teams that that got dominated by Barca in previous eras too, right? He also has been part of the teams that over the last few years have been winning everything that could be won. So uh, I I think it's fair to try to maybe make the point that well, hey, you know we uh, take a take a sense of perspective like over. We've won everything with manager with other managers. So when you're coming in, like just remember that this is just a you know this can be a blip. And I think that's a, a fair amount of confidence. But fuck, it's just <laughs> as a fan, right? You want these guys to feel and breathe this stuff the same way that you do, and that's not it. <laughs> it's not it, Chief. That's not saying like this is <laughs> right, like. Whoa! Look, we're great, and we we're not. You know, it's that's not exactly. But he's like, we're great, and we've done this before. So don't feel like you can tell. Like, uh, uh, you have to like work with us before the before we will work with you. Is essentially what my understanding of this this exact quote. Right? We have we've won everything with managers that you know, and at the end, the management of the dressing room is more important than the technical knowledge of a manager. We've said that, as you said. I can't have my players saying that. <laughs> like that can't be what the players are saying because it means that there's basically going to be no way a, a coach that comes in with with this uh, a new system is going to be able to impose that and and on on these players. Like that's essentially what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, look, I. I'm not backtracking here. Like I, I'm very clear <laughs> that I'm, I'm not. I'm not happy with what Ramos said, but we'll see how it plays out. It might not yeah. have an impact at all. Because no, no, Ronaldo, I don't. I mean... Ronaldo also said some dumb shit. Remember, he's like yeah, the yeah. team isn't on my level or whatever. And then oh yeah, it got confused. He's like, what? I was talking about injuries or whatever. So, and then we went on to, on this amazing win streak. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. But at the moment, just what Ramos said not happy with it i mean anyone listening they have more context i'm happy i'm happy to have got it wrong here ramos is my captain i, I love the guy i i don't want to hear him saying stuff like this so if i got it wrong tell me tell me in the comments at me on twitter i want to see ramos in a better light here but at the moment i can't um i think i think we should talk about the second half now yeah which let's do it i guess it's going to be the only positive part at least the first like 25 minutes yeah 20, the 20 minutes <laughs> um because i i genuinely think it was far far better and i think most madrid fans thought so as well right like there was this real sense of hope and i think the reason well well the first thing to discuss is the formation change and that happened because Varan was injured apparently i'm guessing he was playing injured for most of that match I think which partly explains why he was so bad, though I think it was I was mainly down to just him playing badly and everyone else. Um, and so that prompted Lopetegui to move to a back three. 
He dragged Caspiro back into defense, brought Lucas Vasquez on for Varane, and essentially Vasquez and Marcelo were our wingbacks. And I don't think that was the really important change. What was the important change was the fact that our high press came back. And we just start. Lobotegi must have said something at halftime um, because there was way more energy. All that desire we were talking about, it was there. It, it looked a little desperate, but at least it was it was there, right? And yeah. so let me let, let me just let me just um, give you guys the statistics. So in the first half, we had thirty eight percent possession. In the second half, fifty seven percent possession. Now I'm not saying having thirty eight percent possession doesn't mean you can't win the game and that it's worse than having 57% possession. What I'm saying is, is that demonstrates the change in mindset that we had, right? We moved from having a passive reactive system that we were not executing properly to moving to imposing our will on the game by pressing high, trying to win the ball back, retaining possession, right. working the ball towards goal. And the, and the latter bit I talked about, that's what a Lopetegui team is. That's what Lopetegui teams know how to do. And so once we started to do that, we had Isco, Benzema, Bale pressing Barcelona's situational back three because Busquets always drops in between the center backs to create a back three. And then we had everyone else marking their man. And it just became so much more difficult for Barcelona to do our thing. We had more possession. Our first goal was really, really beautiful, right? Like, worked it over to the left. Benzema combines with Marcelo Bale, goes over to Isco. He crosses it. Marcelo scores. Our high press gives us this great Modric chance. I think it was like the 55th minute or something like that hits the post. Then, much later on, um, 70th minute or something like that, Isco breaks out of Barcelona's press because they, they weren't giving in, right? They were trying to regain control of the game. Isco breaks through Barcelona's press releases Lucas down the right wing, Benzema misses a key header. And it wasn't it wasn't one of those chances where you're like, ah, you know, it was difficult. That the XG value on that is 0.45. Um so I, I think that was like our after Marcelo's that was our highest of the game. Yeah. Uh, Modric's chance had a pretty high XG value. And then finally we made one mistake with our press in the seventy fourth minute. Dembele gets three and then that Suarez scores and it's over. And I mean, it was just it was just a clusterfuck from there. But if we had taken our chances, which you have to do, right? Like we didn't. But you have to do it generally. You can't team. just. It can, this can't right. be a. Oh, you, if you're gonna miss it against Barcelona, you have to take these chances. And sorry, go ahead. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree 100. percent And we can we can talk about ifs and buts, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we didn't. We missed key chances that we absolutely needed to take. And after that, Benzema header, I just got this feeling. Yeah. The energy's energy's going a bit yeah. like it does naturally because the halftime talk has worn off. Barcelona hit the post already with Suarez. I'm getting nervous. I think it's going to become 3-1. And then 3-1 came a couple yeah. minutes later. And it's what I expected. But, man, that was a great second-half response. If we'd taken it our was. chances, who knows what happened. Who knows what would happen if we'd started the fucking game that way. But we didn't. That's football. You know, you can talk about ifs and buts, but at the end of the day, we didn't. We didn't start the game the way we should have. We missed our chances, and that third goal went in, and then it, it was just, it was horrific. It was really, really painful to have to sit through that to the end. Um, but I, I, if you want to take positives from this, at least our second half response was excellent, and for 20, 25 minutes, I mean, we were by far the better team. When And 
And that shows we could have imposed our will in the game from the beginning, right? Because honestly, our midfield is better than Barcelona. That three-five-two is the, the Madrid is built to run this system. I I hope that they try it out. Keon and you and I have been saying that Madrid should experiment with this system for it is one of the ways that modern football has been moving. Conte is one of the like proponents of it. We've seen it in a ton of other people. I uh, I hope they try it out with whoever the next person. I'm glad at least that that they ran it in this in this game. I <laughs> uh, because I I believe I believe that Madrid's players actually are this is uh uh the right system for Madrid. Uh I have I mean we have more to say like because uh in particular as you mentioned like this is, I mean, Madrid was the better, like, there were there were chunks of this game where Madrid was the better side, and there are things to kind of hang on to. Uh, are there any, like, particular players who saved themselves in your mind? I mean... Um, Marcelo. Yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, I wrote, I wrote an article yeah. about how this guy's atletismo, because I just know it, man. This guy bleeds. He bleeds white. Um... And he, he he was definitely playing injured because he got injured in the game versus Victoria Pilsen, um, or I think it was the game before I can't remember. But he he was playing with a little bit of a muscle injury, and he basically ran himself into the ground in El Clasico. And I just love the guy, man. Whenever we fucking need someone to step up, have some cojones, show us some magic, it's it's Marcelo and. The fact that he comes with those flaws on defense just means he's even more Madrid than ever, right? Because yeah. when has Real Madrid been amazing on defense? It's, I love the guy. I mean, Benzema got a lot of shit today. Um, I, I cannot defend his miss at all. Um, he has to be finishing that, especially in a game like this. But to say that he played poorly is, is not accurate at all. I mean, the first half, everyone was shit. Um, but in the second half, Benzema was really, really key and helping us dominate Barcelona. I mean, that that first goal was basically all him, working it through the middle of the park. But you miss that chance. It's going to come, like, the hounds are going to come after you. And there's obviously no way that I can defend that. But I don't see Benzema's performance as, like, irredeemable, like, you were disgusting, you know, you, you didn't try or whatever. I mean, Isco as well. Isco second half was very very good. That whole left sided dynamic between Marcelo Isco and Benzema was really helping us almost get back in the game. Um, and you know what? Even the guys who who didn't really step up, you know, Veron had a terrible game. I, I wasn't particularly impressed with Bale. None of it is irredeemable for me, right? Like yeah. I've seen these types of horrific performances before. I saw us get demolished in the Bernabeu under Rafa Benitez. Um, They'll come back from it, but yeah, um, yeah. Aside I mean, from like a couple guys, not impressed. Trying to put this in historical perspective, right? Like, I mean, I do my best. We do our best to to try to show the the fan perspective and and like what we and I think we're pretty raw on this show. Like, I. We also, I mean, I think it's also worth trying to step back and, I mean, 
there have been worse times for Madrid. <laughs> this is Absolutely. not at all the worst I've even had. Like we've even experienced in the last few years. Barca won the treble a couple of years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I mean, it was a few years ago because Madrid won three Champions League in the row since then. <laughs> <laughs> Still the Kings, baby. Uh, yeah. I mean, what are they going to show on that? Like, Champions League cutscene is who's lifting that trophy. They're like they have to go back what four years now to find an, a team that's not Real Madrid. So, yeah, I uh, that that being said, it does feel a lot like that first Clasico in the Mourinho era when uh, I think it was oh, to God. be quite frank, it was even a worse game than this one. Um, I remember feeling way worse yeah. about it. The six two was even worse, but this. This was a brutal one because you had this hope for the team um, under this new coach that who is like very, you know, tactically interesting, and it was a different direction for the side. Uh, it feels a lot like that, um, but that yeah, was I, the beginning of a new era for this for Real Madrid when it, uh, you know, they went on to to win. And if you really, I mean, like, look, the, the Barca people are, are going to talk and that's, they can talk. But if you remember the period when they were score like doing these games, uh, you know, Oh six, Oh seven, then Oh seven, Oh eight. Actually those, those, those are back to back Real Madrid Liga titles. So yeah, they, they were running in the champions like Madrid wasn't. So they won winning La Liga. And you know, that period of time was, actually not that bad for Real Madrid. So like there are, there's a lot of, you know, if you, if you want to look for historical context, there is an ebb and flow here. And there are moments like this. Um, I wish Madrid would be better in the Clásicos though. It's been a while since I felt very comfortable in one of these games. And that's the thing, right? Like um, there have been a fair few of these, of, of us getting shat on um, as, as, as far as I've been a fan I've been a fan since 0910 so I saw the one with Mourinho was like the first real horrible one I, I, I missed the 6-2-1 thankfully um, I <laughs> um, it's hard to explain right like how it was to be at that time because the situation was totally different going into the match like like you said we felt really really good about the team and then, like, there was just this despair after losing the game. Like, are we ever going to beat this Barcelona side? Like, it's just impossible. We are playing so well. We were top of the league. And then we just got absolutely destroyed. It's not the exact same feeling now, obviously. But I'm just kind of getting sick, sick and tired of, of there being these moments, right? Because there was the Rafa Benitez one. Then there was 3-0 last season. Um... It, I don't. Why does why does this never happen to Barcelona, right? Like I understand there are times where it it just happens, right? But if you think about our biggest win against Barcelona, all the way back to oh nine ten, say when I've been a fan, it's three one, the Copa del Rey. 2012 13. Yeah, Ancelotti had a had a had a three one right in um the first Liga. Those are the two, right? But. That, see, that's my point, right? Like, those are the biggest wins we can point to, and those are really impressive wins. I'm not trying to talk down those wins, but whenever we beat Barcelona, 
like it, it always feels like they're always up for these games in a way we are and when they're not playing perfect and everyone isn't up for it we really have to pry the results from their hands yeah we have these moments where we just get absolutely destroyed and it's like the five nil one was more of a case of barcelona being that much better but the ones after which is us losing our focus us not having a fight or yeah. whatever that's never happened to barcelona and i'm just sick of it like i i, I don't expect to win every time but I want something else. I really do. I don't want to have to keep seeing this, and I want us to be able to deliver that to Barcelona. And I think that's a fair sentiment to have as a fan coming away from this, that why has this happened to us so many times as it happened to Barcelona? Because I don't really think the difference in quality, especially now, is that big. But no, we've had this happening. No, it's not that big because, I mean, the way that, I mean, I also think, this is a funny show because I feel like it's each, like us talking each other up and then down like, like <laughs> but like this the way to the real way right i bet anything that barcelona fans would trade this result for madrid success in the last oh few yeah years. i'm not i'm not i'm not saying so that. I'm the way to really about. deliver this talking point this feeling of like right is to win the win titles man like that's how you do it and i would i would like during that barcelona like that era where everyone so this there's all right i'll, I'll just two things there's there's that era where everyone was talking about barcelona being so good madrid won two ligas no one ever talks about that but they did the other thing was there's a great article about how everyone thought that when pep was at barca like that whole thing was the end of football they just broke it right uh, the team that broke that was Real Madrid, basically. Like, that was the Madrid team that Mourinho and then Ancelotti built, broke this this Barcelona hegemony, and it reminded everyone that football and this sport is a game that is reactive and that has progress and response and then pro it's like a it's a hegelian dialectic almost but without a kind of progression it's just there are going to be tactical ebbs and flows in the in 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 the game there isn't some sort of correct way to play this sport and that was such a it was an incredible article i encourage everyone to read it i will i will um tweet it out um uh but it, it reminded me that you know, even with this here happening, like this, just an ebb and flow in this game, right? And like, right, right. But to to be fair, like to to your early point, like I agree totally about the ebb and flow, no right way to play the game. Um, but to be fair, like it's not like these Barcelona have been like getting these classical victories and not winning the league. I we won the league like twice in the last eight years or nine years or whatever. That's true, and Barcelona man. That's have won true. Every league title except Atleti, and I mean, I. I'm not. I'm not that's, even saying. But that's because Madrid had won, had focused on the league for such a long time, and then there was this moment when they were like, "Shit, we haven't won like the Champions League in far too long for Real Madrid," and then they essentially tried to create a team that would be really good at cut in cup games. <laughs> that's right. my, I mean, my not, reading of the history. I mean, I'm not even saying I expect us to have won all of those. I think we really could have, but I, I can let that go. All I'm asking is it too much to ask for us to <laughs> have not gotten embarrassed like this three times in the league over the past four seasons now. Well, let's let's do one of our be, own. It's time. I mean, I would I would love to see it, but 
it's I, I just like to see a consistent like I want to see 110 percent in every single classical because I guess in the Zidane one where he got beaten three no it was a bit more complex than that but if you look at the Benitez one you look at this one you can't go into this match and say our players gave it their all I mean it's all classical right like it, it shouldn't be too much to ask as a fan for the players to leave it all out there because this is the biggest this is the biggest rivalry in the history of the sport now, I've never really gotten the feeling that Barcelona's players you know ever just decided that okay we're not really going to fight for this one but you know like you said Edmund Flo I'm sure 20 years from now Real Madrid that 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 dynamic may have changed but at the moment you know it's just I'm just left wondering yeah fair well let's hear what um I'm sure that <laughs> we are going to have I mean having read the questions I know that this is not <laughs> uh you're, that's not a unique feeling. <laughs> so um, I think it's time to jump in um, to what you all are asking us and saying. And um, we're going to, again, we're going to do our best to read um, all the, I mean, we are going to read all the patron, um, uh, $5 patron questions. Obviously, if you give us $5 a month, you get your uh, question answered on every show. That's the guarantee. Um, if you give us $3 a month, you get access to all these shows um, that we do. We'll have a midweek one also. Uh, and we have a lot of other higher rewards. For example, um, we have a, if you give us $10 a month, we actually have been doing a ton of uh, uh, giveaways. We've actually just gave away signs here on Most Jersey. Um, one of the last, I mean, we've done a bunch of these. So if you're interested in that, um, check it out. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. That's how you ask us questions. Um, so let's jump into these. Um, uh, Willie Reed asks us, um, or says, I'm honestly not that sad or upset about the situation we find ourselves in. It is pretty apparent that this team struggled to find their edge for La Liga games last year after their back-to-back Champions League titles wins. So it made sense then, uh, after third in a row, this wasn't going to get any better. One would hope Barca would be an exception. (laughs) I agree that we have plenty of talent to compete for everything this year, but it's human nature to let up once you reach the precipice, and it appears to me that that that's what's happening. As a result, I am in favor of a personal shake, a personnel shakeup. Not because I don't believe we have the talent it takes to live up to um, uh, uh, live up to Real Madrid standard, but because to be the best of the best, you need to have the talent, the system, and the drive. That being said, I would move on from Kroos, Benzema, Modric, and Isco, and redesign the team around our young Spaniards and a few top-tier talents that don't consider their lives a whole until they are considered legends and who recognize Real Madrid as the best qualified club in the world to help them achieve that. The last few, five years have been incredible, but all great teams have a shelf life. Wow. Um, I, I, I get the sentiment, but Kroos, Modric, Isco, that's a lot. I mean, Benzema is a common person for everyone to complain about, but those three? I mean, I would... I would move on from Benzema. I mean, Modric is 33, so I think if you're talking long-term, right, like let's say we get Kovacic back and he doesn't do some tricks to, to try to stay at, Chelsea, stay at Chelsea, I think next season we should definitely start moving away from Modric, right? Like he's just at that age. Um, but Isco and Kroos, no. Um, especially not Isco. I don't think Isco's at the point where he's considered a Real Madrid legend. I don't think anyone considers him a Real Madrid legend because... Um, he's had his moments. I love the guy. Um, 
But I think Isco still has a lot of drive and hunger because he, even now he's still not a real starter in this team. Um, Kroos, no, he's just he's in the prime. He's too good, of, man. Of you can't like, move on. Be a team that moves on from players like Kroos. You just right. He's and too if, good. Kroos was Kroos was age. I could understand. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm keeping Kroos at the heart of my midfield for like the next four or five seasons. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like like you said, Gabe, I understand the sentiment. And like we were talking about the hierarchies, there's definitely a discussion to be had about what's the motivation level in this team. You know, are we reaching that point where we really need a shake up? Like, but it's so hard to say because we don't really have the information, right? Like we we're not in there listening to the discussions in the locker room. We're going off minimal information, but yeah, definitely an interesting discussion to have. Uh, again, I get, I get the sentiment. Um, and I think there is going to be, this is, I mean, this was always going to be, uh, a system or a, a, a year of upheaval. And on some level, Lobategi was the guy to fall on the sword. <laughs> uh, and, and, and they're going to be players that are going to move on as well. And, and this entire team is going to, there's going to be upheaval, but, um, Let's make sure we do the uh, assessment of the talent with the players that, um, and and take all the like. I I just think that taking all the factors into account, Kroos is simply not someone that it's time to move on from. Not at all. Not. I mean, I get Modric. I still don't really think he's someone. Just like I don't think Marcelo is someone to move on from because he's such a leader. I think Modric is such an important, like, teacher of these these kids. <laughs> um. But I, I, I kind of get Benzema, um, if only because like I think that he doesn't have many other many people that are under his wing really. But I think Modric is a teacher sort of um, and an important kind of clubhouse guy, so to speak. All right, Ian Marley asks us, um, guys, here are my takeaways from the matches this season leading up to this one. They might have been edited. Yeah, we might have edited this because there are a few few of these. Um, just uh, uh, we're going to do our best to kind of summarize, but also answer the questions. Um, this first one, I always had reservations about saying this, although I did say it a couple of times. This team needs a few changes to its spine or at least a wake up call. Um, yeah, I mean, he says one should hit the, hit the fan very few steps up. Problems with people tracking back on, on the goal uh, and that kind of stuff. I mean, this is sort of where this entire game went wrong. Uh, and I get. I mean, we we literally. I mean, we just had a question about um, maybe re- reconstructing the spine of the team. I don't know. Um, is this the same sort of? I mean, I, I guess this might be the the kind of way people are looking at this match. Like it's such a wake up call that Madrid need to move on. But it's only you know well, a I month mean- and a half ago this wasn't what what we were saying, and it seems. I don't know. It seems like quite a spine. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that much because. When we lost to Benitez. No, it's not lost to Benitez. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, sort of. We sort won. of it is, though. Sort of it is. <laughs> um, but but um, when we lost the Clasico under Benitez 4-0, everyone was saying the same thing. Except like people were a lot – I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like my social media is, is – like I've, I've, I've like cultivated that a lot better. But when I saw it then – People were really, really, really furious, and Ronaldo is out. Benzema is out. I mean, this is when like yeah. these guys are in their prime. Ronaldo was only just kind of coming off his peak. So, no, I, I, I remember. Think first, 
I, I think this whole discussion has a little more validity now. So I'm not so like, yeah. you know, I'm not just trying to like shit on what you're saying. Um, but this is not like a new thing. Like when we get results this badly that are this bad, I think it's only natural to think about how the spine of the team and whether it needs to change. I mean, I think we are reaching that point, right? Yes. Where age is just kind of naturally deciding that. Um, I agree. That, and that's, but, I think, the difference but, between now and when, what you, like that period you're talking about. Also, I think Benitez is a way worse coach than Lopetegui. <laughs> Not because I think, um, I think Benitez is a, bit, a way worse coach for Real Madrid than Lopetegui was because I think Benitez didn't really understand modern football. And I think Lopetegui at least under, like, was a coach who, gets the way the game has evolved and, and Benitez is trying to roll with the system that was a little bit old, like too old school and was kind of getting taken advantage of. Um, it's not really the problem that Lovatagi had today. It's that he didn't really go with the gut of what modern football was sort of telling him to do. But uh, it's, a, it's a different situation in terms of the personnel because I think you're right. Like this is actually an older team and you're not wrong to say, to ask these questions. Like there's a, there's a big, a lot of questions to be asked about this Real Madrid team on top of the the questions about Lovatagi that are, you know, on, on top of the stuff that, that, that it's this, these questions about hierarchy, about why, you know, with a team as talented and like we, oh, we talked about how, de- like how exciting the youngsters were on this team, but like, what is the point of having a, a team this deep and maybe it's time for a, a, a a squad like a revitalization if you're going to have players like Odriozola on the bench if you're going to basically do away with people like Teo if if you're not going to not play Ceballos who has been one of the best players this season for a single minute this this game the one of the most important games of the season like it's not just Lopetegui that's an issue it's a larger kind of question I think and I, I get where um uh, Ian and Willie are coming from, and I think other people on the on the questions. All right, next question from Ian. Um, uh, if Benzema goes another season as the team's main striker, I will lose hope for sure. How can Real Madrid? How can a Real Madrid striker be so tame a chance is handed to him on a platter? Um, I mean, right? We talked about this. Like, I mean, we talked about Benzema so much. I really don't have anything I don't know to, what say. to say. I, I mean. <laughs> I, 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 I guess these are fair questions, right? Because Benzema is still our starting striker. He's still having goal-scoring troubles, but ends remains the same, right? Like, yeah. we we need to move on. All of us, all of us have said this um, yeah, for a long I, time now. I thought his performance in the second half overall was good, but you can't be missing chances like that. Yeah, it's time. I mean, I get it. I still stand by like him as a player. I've loved, and he's still, you know. I have a lot of pluses, but I think if anywhere in the spine of this team is ripe, just not just ripe, begging for changes, it's it's in and is his position. And uh, the I think the worst thing about the last few years, and there aren't that many bad things about the last few years. Like last year was a complicated year, but ultimately Madrid ended it with a bang and with making you know the three peat and and the the team going down in, in history uh, is that Madrid didn't actually <laughs> seal the deal from Mbappe. But this is the clear, I think, issue with this squad where that would have been the clear replacement for Benzema. And that it's just, 
that failure to lock that kid down when um when they had him and hit like whatever happened with him not deciding to sign actually is a big part of what's going on in this this the side right now i think uh and i agree it's time to move on i don't i don't think that he's going to be an option again for a while for madrid but that i that is actually my uh, one of the big parts of the diagnosis of the problems for me at real madrid Uh, number three here is I believe this team won't be able to achieve much more success until unless new blood is injected into the team. Uh, yes, I'd prefer to have two world-class players or something close in every position and risk the complaints over a lack of minutes if it means there's intense competition. Ever since the B team got weakened, this squad got worse. Sure, young talents are good to bring in, but I don't think you can maintain success if they are not ready to challenge for a spot in the starting 11. What do you guys think? I will I will just say really quickly, Evan and I were, Evan Mateer and I were talking about this, and this is one of the big things that I think that, and um, I know this is kind of spring this time, but this is one of the big things that the new FIFA shit is, uh, I think, really screwing the club teams over on and that if you add more you know international matches and more important international matches you're going to need to have a deeper and deeper club side but then at the club level the players aren't going to get as many minutes and they're going to be complaining like you know very unpleasant and complaining all the time and this is sort of where what happened with Real Madrid that 2016-17 side was absolutely brilliant and filled with world-class players but they didn't get the minutes and the only teams that are going to be able to be, be this absolutely elite level are going to always have the problem of not get, being able to give the minutes to all the players. And it's only going to get worse if they have more, all the players have more minutes that they have to play over the course of the year. Yeah. I mean, right. Like, cause the reason, the reason it got weaker is like, we didn't choose for it to get weaker. It got weaker because players left. So I guess you can say you don't care about the complaints, but the same thing is going to happen again. You're going to have it maybe for a season. And um, personally, I, I, I don't think the squad is that weak. I mean, really, besides striker, I I don't really see the squad as weak. I think there's good competition um, pretty much everywhere in the squad. Uh, I think Kovacic going on loan made us a spot weaker in midfield, but assuming he comes back... Um, the only weak spot is strikers. So I'm not really that concerned with the squad. Um, and I don't really think that's, I mean, I think there are form issues as to why we haven't been that good this season, but the squad as a whole really isn't an issue for me. I actually basically agree with that. Again, it's, I just, I, I'm going to keep saying it. I just, I, I still think Mbappe was the problem. <laughs> like if you add Mbappe to this lineup, don't, I mean, doesn't it change a huge amount of these problems? I, I just. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, <laughs> that's why I said striker is the weakness right now. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so Ian also mentions your point about how many times can we get embarrassed in classicos? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean. Yes, I I think that re- despite the fact that like there this sport is cyclical and 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 has ebbs and flows, I think you're like the only reason it has ebbs and flows is because people care enough to step up and spend and think and you know spend energy to rethink how to how to 
how to approach these matches. So that Madrid has to do that. They can't keep this up. Um, Tyler yeah, Dixon. And I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, like he just quickly also says more so this time without Messi. I think it's also, I don't know if it's important to note, but I guess funny in a weird sort of way that Messi didn't start the Clasico against the Benitez Clasico where we got demolished 4-0. He came on late and he didn't score. Like the scoreline was 4-0 when he came on. So that's like two games where we essentially got destroyed without Messi. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing most of you knew that, but in case you didn't, you, you have that little factoid. Uh, Tyler Dixon asks, um, man, all right, this is, I mean, this is very much talking about, um, and, uh, my, like a lot of, a lot of raw heartfelt emotions here. Tyler says, man, we should have done everything we could to get sorry. Um, Ancelotti, will you come back? This is disastrous. And to have that racist fuck Suarez score a hat trick <laughs> and this team to play so flat without fire, basura, that is I I mean that that is extremely my feeling about Suarez and this team not being able to conjure this bullshit. Um, why not play Sevajos in this game? He fights everything and he hates this team. Guys, I'm sad. I think we all are. <laughs> I I yeah, I think I feel I think, it. Yeah, I mean I question, yeah. bringing on Ceballos might have been an interesting substitution because. He really does hate this team. I, I think he perhaps maybe hates the team so much. I think he said something like, you know, we should bomb all the Catalans or something like that. Like, you know, perhaps a bit too far, you know, like straying into the problematic territory. But, yeah, I mean, he, he if there was one guy that was going to give you a 110% who has motivation for minutes, it would have been Ceballos. And I might have considered putting him on. Um, maybe even after we went 3-1 down. But it wasn't... Personnel choices weren't the biggest issue this game for me. It was mainly... I guess maybe, right, if you start Ceballos, we get more of that energy that we lack, but we kind of already had this discussion before. I think... I, I don't think you can really attack Lopetegui for going with the Onsegala midfield because that's what's helped us achieve so much. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, you guys are expressing my my own feelings, but I I hate Luis Suarez. I I mean I hate him as a like as the, this type of fan, deep seated fan hate, where I've, I have this also moral justification for for hating him, um, <laughs> which I I'm I'm working on. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Redmond says. Um, not good, guys. Uh, just not good. Not good at all. The issue is clearly the confidence of the team. We are baby soft right now. This is the best team in the world. We are full of players that other teams would kill to have, yet I can't help but feel that none of them think they can win anymore. We are missing that alpha mentality. When we play, we must play like no other team deserves to be on the pitch with us. How do you think the team can move on from this problem and become the killers on the pitch that they are? Shout out to all the Madridistas still standing. They'll make us happy soon again. They will. Um, I also think that I think that maybe I don't disagree with the the sentiment here. I think that one of the problems is that the the team is playing like no other team deserves to be on the pitch. That they're not even giving you shit there. 
that actually is the <laughs> issue. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree with all the sentiments here. Um, I think it's all coming from a very valid, val- valid place that I think both Gabe and I are like, are really feeling intensely. But again, to give like the a kind of broader perspective, um, especially Gabe, because you've been a fan so much longer than I have, we will get past this. Um, we have too many resources. Our players are too good. It looks, it feels really dark right now. And like, I can't say that this wasn't a disaster, <laughs> but, but we'll get past it. I mean, it's, we're going to have a new coach. So, I mean, and that's going to change a lot. Um, Conte is an interesting guy because he manages the dressing room in, in, in a much different way than Zidane, Lopetegui. Um, I'm interested to see what he can bring, but let's say this season doesn't pan out really at all. Um, we're still good. We're still good for, for, for the long term, yeah. the next three, four down the line. It's this game and like, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? And extrapolate, extrapolate yeah. across the entire season, right? Like the problems we saw in this game very much are limited to this game. Like I, I, the specific problem in this game, especially with the energy attitude and, and Lopetegui's approach, I haven't seen in any other game. So really bad, inexcusable, not defending it at all. But I don't necessarily think we're going to have that problem moving forward, but we'll see. Yeah, Kevin, I, I agree with um I agree with everything you're saying here, man. Um and they will. They'll make us happy again. And guess what? They won I mean, they won the Champions League last year. You guys we were all celebrating less than six months ago, so um I don't know. I mean, they will. And yeah, there needs to be some sort of revamping and rethinking. But um, getting them back to the killers on the pitch, I mean, that is one thing that I, that has been a problem, right? Um, I mean, like part of the issue is that Madrid needs to find the players that don't sacrifice in, in some of these aspects of chance creation, but that uh, – that overshoot their expected goals, right? That's the key thing to find, right? Is the players that can create that end up with, you know, creating for the team more goals than they create expected goals. I mean, it's literally, I mean, with expected goals, the entire point of the, and I, I don't mean to go into this rant, but I've been thinking about this. I wrote part of my article on this. Like that was the problem in this era sort of was that, that, you know, maybe the defense was under under shooting their expected goals allowed, and and maybe they were better than the stats said they were better than they were. Whatever, but the point really was that Madrid was with if they had scored even the same as their expected goals, they would have been tops in the league right now. And I mean, not after today, <laughs> but. Uh, previously, they would have been tops in the league, but they're undershooting their expected goals, which is criminally unacceptable from uh, a team like Madrid. They need to be overperforming their expected goals, and they need to find the players that can do that. And I, I don't know who the answer is, but that has to be part of the thinking, I think. Yeah, I mean, Ronaldo used to be that guy. I mean, he, he actually didn't overperform his expected goals the last three seasons. I mean, he did in the Champions League, but not in the league. But in 2014-15... He was expected to score like 38 goals or something. He ended up scoring 48, and that used to be the norm for him. Like, so now that we've lost a guy like that, even when Ronaldo didn't overshoot, he, his expected goals were just so much 
and he was still scoring 25 goals a week season bare minimum we we got to find a guy um it's difficult like Keon has, has said over and over again the market is tough I, I I don't know we missed out on Higuain and there was also like this whole deal where Bonucci and Higuain would swap so I don't know how viable that was um earlier reports saying Lopetegui like talked to Bayern about Lewandowski I don't know how probable that is but at the moment, at least until until the winter, it's all in-house solutions from here. And maybe maybe Mariano is the solution. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that we had a lot of thoughts also about other options for this team. <laughs> and actually, we didn't see Lopetevi play around with some of the options that we saw um, as much as maybe we... I expected when he came in because of his time in Spain. Uh, for example, I don't remember seeing a time him playing Isco at false nine or Asensio at false nine the way he did when he when he coached Spain. Like I, I mean, and Keenan and I had talked about how that was. I we I, I get that Ben's. I mean, whatever. There there are options here, but I just I I still think that's a there was maybe less tinkering on that end than then maybe there could have been to try to, to find a, an, a solution. Th- that being said, I do think he did essentially what he needed to do. It's just that the players didn't convert. <laughs> the players didn't convert like they didn't. So like they created the chances that they really needed to. Um, they should have done more chances and they should have created more expected goals. Like they were still second in the league to Barcelona, but they created generally the same number of expected goals and they created the uh, high enough expected goals to expect the goals allowed ratio and in the right situations to be uh, not just in the conversation, but would be leading the league. But uh, anyways, I, we need to continue. <laughs> I, have to, I have to stop obsessing about this stuff. Um, this is one of those places where I think that what the stats tell you is it's not that they have a, like they are different from the eye test, obviously, but what they are telling you is not something you should just dismiss. It's that they're telling you a story that uh, you have to incorporate when you're doing your analysis. And it's one of those things that people are very quick to dismiss when stats don't tell you what the eyes are telling you. Uh, and it's in baseball, it took a long time for people to understand that and how to deal with that because there is, uh, and especially in this sport, there's going to be a, a long period where we're going to need to understand how to incorporate the stats and statistical analysis when it doesn't comport with exactly what our eyes are telling us. And uh, I think the stats are telling us in this season that Lopetegui was doing a fair amount better than maybe what what we all had said. Um, or the, what the kind of narrative was about him. Uh, all right, I'm not going <laughs> to... All right, um, Leon Stavronakis says... I have serious doubts this team can even finish top four. This is way more than a coaching issue. I suppose that's sort of what I was talking about. Um, is, I mean, this is sort of more than a coaching issue. Yeah, I mean, this is also what we said last season, right? Like, I remember a lot of questions in the podcast, like, are we going to finish top four? Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to finish top four. Um, the question is, is, can we still challenge for the league now? with the turnover that's going to happen with a new coach coming in. I mean, I, I'm not that optimistic really, um, but we're going to finish top four. And yeah, I mean, we've been discussing this whole podcast about things that can, that 
problems that are other than the coach, right? Like hierarchy issues, effort. Gabe mentioned underperforming expected goals by a little bit. It it's it's a mix of of so much that has happened, right? Like, in a lot of ways, I think Lopetegui was super unfortunate with the conditions he arrived in at the club. Greatest player ever leaving. Um, so much to live up to. I mean, really no luck whatsoever, especially with injuries. But then at the same time, Lopetegui's tactics yeah. in a lot of games just didn't live up to like So it, everything was just contributing a little bit, and it's just all created this perfect storm that it's just, yeah. it's all just exploded in this classical. So yeah, I mean, for sure. I think most people know now that it's not just a coaching issue, but as for top four, I we just have too much talent. Like if, if we can't make top four, like, also, everyone who's saying everyone who's saying that we need to like sell everyone i mean that needs to happen but i yeah i but also the if you look at those tables that i was showing like that i was talking about in my article a couple i don't know a week ago there there's no question that this is a top four side like this is it's gonna over a season this shit corrects it's just that these games really and and like the new coach actually does have a statistical and, and, you know, injection. That's why you see so many teams in the end, like in the middle end of a season in the premier league and other leagues, just do this coaching carousel because there is a, like there's a relationship between changing coaches and increasing points because the players kind of jump out and like they're, uh, I, I believe that that's going to happen uh, with this also. And, and on top of the fact that I believe that there's going to be a correction because there's been unluckiness, um, I don't disagree that Lovatege has been a problem. And speaking of uh, coaching, <laughs> Sajid Riaz asks us, um, what do you guys have to say about the jibes that you guys took at Zidane and his supposedly inferior tactics, uh, especially under the early days of Lovatege when we were flying high? Uh, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know if it's fair to characterize it as jibes. Um, I look, when Lopetegui was flying high, everyone, including you, Sajid, we were, we were feeling pretty good about things. And, and the truth was, in those early days, the tactics were superior on a fundamental level. And I think, right, if you, if you want to boil the criticism about Zidane's tactics down, which is we were taking jibes, then... I think if we were doing that, that would be unfair, but it was always more nuanced than that, right? Like, we, As we, if get a we lot have of some sort of like agenda. I, I just, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe this is more directed at me because I know Gabe and especially Keon really pros the Don, like, really, really pros the Don from the beginning. I um, wasn't crying. Like, you can go back. I and mean, you, to my shit, man. Like, right. Like, you, I mean, maybe this is more aimed at me because I did write an article saying why um, <laughs> why we should not have sacked Benitez. All-time great fucking article, but... Um, Whatever, I just literally know, just wrote one called Don't Sack Lopetegui, so I guess we both have that on us. <laughs> so, but um, if you, even if you want to look at me as, as the biggest critic, which, which you know, are fair, are fair I, I guess I am the biggest critic... I, I always said that Zidane's tactical flexibility is the greatest thing about him. But if you want to honestly look at the fundamentals of, of our pressing and counter-pressing, it simply wasn't the greatest at times. But that's what we're saying, right? Like, 
that's what even Ramos was saying, right? Like sometimes a man manager is more important than someone who's a tactician. That just seems to be a fact with this club. And tactics, Zidane's tactical flexibility is only a small part of why he was successful because yeah. he knew how to rotate the side. He got Ronaldo to rest. Like, So I think you can have a nuanced criticism, right? Like it's not just Zidane is the greatest ever or Zidane is trash. Yeah, I think there's fair criticism you can make about we Zidane's do. tactics while also, while also holding as a whole that Zidane is one of the greatest coaches we've ever had. And yeah, yeah, Lopetegui, if you if you want to be objective, Lopetegui's fundamentals in terms of counterpressing our midfield structure is better, but that doesn't determine nearly close to everything as we're seeing with what's happening this season. And if you also want to look at our league last season, we were in a pretty similar situation, right? So. I mean, I don't know if that's the fair characterization to say. That no, it is jibes. fair. And also, it's it's not fair to say – sorry, I'm sorry. It's not fair to say we took jibes, I don't think, um, considering how much we all boosted Zidane and were huge Zidane fans. Uh, I mean, we <laughs> – I think it's a question of degrees because we all obviously were – fans of the way the team I mean had been performing I mean Zidane is my favorite player of all time and he was my favorite now favorite coach like he guided this team through its greatest era and was the team the the person that was guiding it through its previous greatest era so you can't I mean I I think it's almost heretical to say that I mean, I was I, I can't imagine the the world where I like I would be considered as having taken jibes as Zidane. I think it's there's a difference, like you said, between <laughs> I, being a person who's able to comprehend, understand nuance, right? Like that's you can. I mean, if we either love or hate someone, then we're gonna have a lot of upsetting shit in our lives because we are. <laughs> there's always gonna be something bad. I mean, like, people aren't, like, no one is ever going to do this stuff perfectly. So we criticized it down when we thought it was fair. And, you know, that that's all that, like, it was. It wasn't, there's no, some, there's no agenda here. God right. damn it. There's Jibes, no agenda. Jibes implies that we took some sort of joy in it as well, right? Like, I mean, I don't know about some of the people listening. I don't know about you. I mean, I know about you, Gabe. Like, I don't enjoy critiquing any of the players i don't enjoy critiquing the manager i just do whatever i i I mean i'm not saying i'm perfectly objective i don't have like subjectivities but i'm trying to be like objective right i'm doing what i think and i'm saying what i think is objective and i'm not saying that what i'm saying is right i mean like sajid you could be completely right in saying that my criticism of zidane was wrong but to like kind of imply that it came like the sense of joy of criticizing zidane that like when we didn't play well, I could say, ha. Huh. How do you, you know, get joy out of criticizing Zidane right, like, during that era also? Goddamn. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just don't think that's a fair assertion. And if I gave off that vibe, you know, I guess I apologize for that. But certainly never my intention. Um, and then Sajid also asks, um, is Varane still immune from criticism yet after killing the game for the second game of three games? But yet another stupid penalty. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't. I don't think we ever said Veron is immune from criticism, but uh, I know I'm a huge Veron fan, and and but Veron is, is incredible, right? Like, but when Veron plays badly, we say he plays badly, and he so played we, badly we today. Best, and yeah. earlier, er, earlier in the podcast, we 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 talked about how Veron wasn't very good. Um, don't know when exactly the injury came up in that first half could have impacted his performance, but 
yeah, I mean, I don't think we've ever said Laurent is immune for criticism or anyone for that matter, which is kind of our point with Zidane. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I don't know if there, how much more there is to say about this stuff. I I, mean, I still stand by Varane as my best defender in the world. And you, it's hard. I think you got to, like, if you're going to say stuff like that, you have to stand by the people even when they t- they're not good. <laughs> um, because you, you have to have some intellectual integrity. Um, and that's what we, I mean, that is actually a point of pride, I think, we have of this show that we're not, like, constantly making changing judgments and then pretending that we didn't say that stuff. And that's, I think a little bit what an agenda, like that's what, what like Marka and some of these people that really do have an agenda that they're trying to push do, which is like pretend that, that, you know, they didn't say something else or just forget that they said something previously. And I really, I don't think that's what we do. Um, to and that's what you were saying. Um, I, I just, it's about intellectual integrity. It's not that complicated. Um, all right. Say Anton Nandi SSI. Where are all the people now who believe that Benzema was going to score 25 goals this season? Well, I was right here. Um, I thought that was a fair guess, given that I thought that his uh, expected goals and, and all of the, the, the chance creation and, and that I figured that his um, – his relationship, I think, as you put it, um, was with Ronaldo was um, not kind of symbiotic. Was uh, was actually um, uh, they were draining a little bit from each other. But I guess that's not really true. That his relationship was more with uh, Ronaldo was more symbiotic, and he's struggling. I mean, he's still struggling to score in in places where he should be scoring, which is right. I mean, I I personally. My prediction was 15 to 20 goals for Benzema was my optimistic prediction. Um, I think you and Keon were more optimistic, and I think it was fair to take that. But I, I was just looking at even considering like Ronaldo's shot volume being distributed, which you have to take into account, right? Like a shot monster leaves, the shots are going to go somewhere because we still have like the same number of shots overall on the team. But I just was worried because you look at Benzema as a player declining, and even if you look at the advanced stats, I mean, his expected goals have been declining like seriously over the past couple of seasons, and also his conversion has been consistently bad. Yeah, but, that's um, the thing, and you're I mean, right. That's, right. that's a, like correct <laughs> analysis. But right, I mean, where are the people that believed? I mean, they're still here. I don't think Gabe is um, going anywhere. <laughs> like, we get stuff wrong all the time. Like I, like I just said, I, I wrote that article about how we shouldn't have sacked Benitez. Like all time worst take right there. And um, we have, and we get things right too, right? Like I was like, <laughs> we need to, we Zidane is the right choice. I feel very, very, a lot of, very, a lot of people said Zidane was the right choice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> okay, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to take that away from you. I was trying to give credit to like most of Magic Madrid there, you know, um, right? And then Sayantan also, as on another note, do you guys still believe that was all Lobotegi's fault, considering the fact we sold Sierra and replaced him with basically no one? I don't. I don't think we. We literally have never said that we all believe that was Lopetegui's fault. Um, I think like our consistent point has been that it's not all Lopetegui's fault. Yeah. <laughs> 
extreme. That's like the whole, like, I don't know, that's the whole point of the show. That it's, it's not all over the well. We, there's a lot of issues here. You don't, as Real Madrid, you don't get to this position without having lots of people be at fault. So, you, you know, we try to talk about all the stuff that we see as the issues and we're not people that, I mean, I have never, I, other than maybe, okay. Other than maybe with Benitez, where I, what I, he took what I saw as a very historically good team and, uh, screwed it up really badly. Um, <laughs> uh, we don't try to scapegoat and we, uh, and when we do, we, you know, we, at least we, we do our best to see that we're doing it. <laughs> uh, no, it's not all of it. Take fault. Of course not. Um, of course, this this is a different conversation with a different lineup and different players brought in and, and whatnot. So, uh, Anthony Lombardi asks us, uh, I really don't think, I really didn't think uh, Lopetegui would get embarrassed as badly as Benitez, but wow. So my question is, do you guys think he gets sacked within the next few days um, or the same as Benitez where he had a few months after the classical battering? Yeah, he's going down. Tomorrow probably is my feeling. Yeah, tomorrow is, is everything I'm seeing. He's he's gone um, Monday. Monday. I don't know. This is going up. Uh, yeah, I don't know where you are listening to us, but yeah, it's going. I I mean I've seen reports that Conte is literally flying to Madrid, so it's. Yeah, I mean Florentino has had time to to look for a coach now, right? Because we've been talking about Lopetegui getting sacked a week ago. Um, so yeah, t- I, I mean, Madrid, the Madrid board, then Florentino, he telegraphs these moves in the press. And when you see a lot of the press sort of saying this stuff at the same time, that is a telegraph. Like he's sending that play out basically. And so he, I, I really believe that that's what you'll see. So, yeah, there are, there are a few, there are very few times where like the press is really reliable but when everyone is saying a coach is going to get sacked and they're like citing specific days and it's everyone saying it, they're right. I, I mean, that's just one of the things that just isn't gotten wrong because like Gabe said, this is something that Florentino or or the board is, is, is telling the reporters that is kind of sending this out. Yeah, people they're trying to prepare people for it. Um, and I get a lot yeah. of questions and we get a lot of questions about like who's the, the accurate people to listen to. And the answer is always that you have to take it all as a whole. So, like, if one, uh, uh, if one outlet is saying something, unless it's one of the really high end outlets, maybe like take it with some amount of salt. Um, if two or more are saying it, think a little harder about it. But if if what's happening right now, which is that essentially every single outlet is saying the same thing, that's um, I mean, that means that they all, they don't, they're not all just listening to each other. Sometimes that happens, but like when they're all saying it, that means that that's, it's almost certainly going to happen. That's, uh, that's, that's the way I try to answer that question. Like you have to like be your own judge sort of about this stuff. But with, with respect to this stuff, like I should, it's going to go down because everyone is saying it. I mean, I haven't seen anyone saying that he's getting more time. So, all right, guys. Uh, yeah, it's grim. Um, I mean, we'll probably on on Wednesday be back talking about what the next coach is going to look like and what the next. Um, I mean, what the next system is going to be and 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 what what the shuffling is going to be like. So, stay tuned for that again. Um, 
you know, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Uh, you can toss a few dollars. We'll answer your, answer your questions. Um, we have our, our Wednesday shows that you have access to and then $10 and we have higher and, um, more, uh, uh, we give our giveaways that we do. And if you, if you give uh, $10 or more, you'll be automatically entered in those from now on. It's not just, um, you know, eventually we may have higher end stuff, but if you give it now, then you'll be entered. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything else to say. It's a grim week guys. Yeah, I mean, if you need to take a break from the news or, like, just watching the team for a little bit, that's totally okay. You're not obligated to continue consuming, um, you know, sports media, whatever. Everyone deals with stuff in different ways, you know, especially the younger fans um, or or more recent fans who haven't really gone through this as many times might be tougher to take. Like, I don't know, at this point, I mean, I don't want to pretend like, you know, I – I don't want to make people feel sorry for me as a Madrid fan. Like being a Madrid fan is awesome, but yeah. like still gone through like a ton of tough losses. And at this point, because I have to go and analyze the match, like immediately afterwards, I'm pretty good at being able to like shrug the results aside yeah, and, and, and not feel so bad. But I understand what it was like when I, I saw like that us getting destroyed five mil by Marina. I thought it was the end of the world. You need to take a little time off. You need to just relax a little bit. Do whatever you got to do. We'll all get over it. The team will get better. Ala Madrid. Yeah, Ala Madrid. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. Now look how we live, smoking weed like it ain't no thing So even kids wanna try now, then lie down and get ran through Nobody watches them clocking the evil man do Faced with the demons addicted to hearing victims screaming Guess we was evil since birth, product of cursed scenes Cause even our birthdays is cursed days A born thug in the first place, the worst ways I love to see the block in peace With no more dealers and crooked cops The only way to stop the beast And only we can change It's up to us to clean up the streets It ain't the same Too many murders Too many funerals And too many tears Just seen another brother Burry plus I knew him for years That's by his family But what could I say Keep your head up And try to keep the faith And pray for better days Better days Better days Hey Better days Thinking about better days Better days Better days Better days Hey, better days Got me thinking about better days Thinking back as an adolescent Who would have guessed that in my future years I'd be stressing Some say the ghetto sick and corrupt Plus my PO won't let me hang with the brothers I grew up with Trying to keep my head up and stay strong All my homies slinging yo all day long But they wrong, so I'm solo and so broke Saving up for some joys, cause they dope I got a girl and I love her, but she broke too And so am I, I can't take her to the place she wanna go to So we argue and play fight All day and night, making passionate love to the daylight Plus we about to get evicted Can't pay the rent, guess it's time to see who really is your friend Tell me you're pregnant and I'm amazed So many blessings while we stressing Looking for them better days Better days Better days Better days Hey Better days
got me thinking about better days Now me and you was real cool Hell on them square fools Since back in high school We was true, me and you Hardly part of them separated We stayed faded Affiliated with gangbangers And still made it Up in the gym Mess with me Gotta mess with him Still dressing like grown men When rolling Out in the dark Smoking Newports Came in marbles Got a place in my heart Homie stay smart Locked you up in the pen And gave you three to ten I send you letters With naked flicks Of old friends Hoping you well I know it's hell Doing time in the cells You need mail When you in jail And me I'm doing cool I settled down Had a family Working at night school Every once in a while I reminisce And wonder how we ever came to this I miss the better days Better days Better days Hey Thinking about better days Better days Better days Better days Hey Better days Got me thinking about better days I send this one out All the homeboys down in that Clinton lockdown Rikers Island All them dudes I was uh, locked up with E-Block, F-Block, double H N-I-C in Rikers Island Downstate All the peoples I met along the way Better days is coming home, boy Keep your head up Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times $24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times $24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.